Welcome to the Growing Hope podcast. Growing Hope is a charity providing free therapy for children and young people with additional needs and their families in partnership with local churches across the UK. Growing Hope aims to grow hope for children, hope for families and hope in Jesus. This conversational podcast is based on interviews with Growing Hope therapists, giving practical tips, strategies and insight into their field of expertise. It's hosted by Amy Hobbs, speech and language therapist. Hi there, thanks for listening. This is Amy and I am joined by Lizzie who has worked as a physiotherapist for the last 10 years and she's specialised in working with children in the respiratory and neurological fields. She worked in a specialised swim school in New York and is currently working in hospitals in the UK. She's been involved in the Growing Hope Therapy team. Welcome Lizzie. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. It's wonderful to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about your physiotherapy? What does that look like? Who do you help? What kind of things do you do? Yeah, so um, a physiotherapist is somebody that um, helps um, adults or children. I mean, specifically within within this, we're talking about children. So um, we work with children that... Um, might struggle with um, certain aspects relating to their um, function, so relating to their physical ability. So that might be walking, um, their function of breathing, um, it might be moving, they might um, you know, have difficulties um, with muscles and bones um, and how those function in a kind of day-to-day way. Um, so yeah, so I guess we kind of um, specialise in muscles and bones and and how they work together to make the body move. Um, so it's incredibly varied physiotherapy, um, and especially you know with children, it can be a huge number of things that we can help with. So like I said before, we can help children um, with their breathing if they've had or are having a chest infection and struggling to clear secretions then you know physiotherapists can help with that with special breathing exercises they can help with children who um, are a little bit slower with their developmental milestones so things like walking crawling sitting um, we can help with that we can help with children that have broken a bone and want to get back to um, and have you know have been in a cast for a long time and then want to get back to um, sports and those sorts of things so it's very varied um, but I guess mainly looking at how muscles and bones um, and the body work together to help you to do your day-to-day living. That is so interesting. I think often when um, you know, we think of physiotherapy, we often think of a recovery after an injury or that kind of rehab, um, which I'm sure it, it is as well. But we don't often think of the, the developmental and the, the, the work that you do with children um, you know, in, when there isn't a specific injury or event. Yeah, like you say, there are it's incredibly varied. There are, um, you know, it's not just getting somebody back to where they were because it might be that a child needs help to get there in the first place. Um, and yeah, I guess um, physio. The idea behind physio is to promote function and to promote kind of independence as much as possible in everyday life. So that doesn't necessarily necessarily mean 
after an injury, but also, you know, as they are in everyday life. Yeah. And as you're working in hospitals, what kind of, uh, I know that you're specialized in the respiratory and the neurological sort of wards and, and that field. What does that look like day to day for you? What sort of things are you involved in and working on? Yeah, so um, I actually work in um, intensive care, so the respiratory side of things. Um, so children that um, have had um, heart surgery um, or are kind of acutely, so very unwell, um, and have breathing tubes in um, and are on a ventilator, they often, um, as a result of the drugs that they're on and because of their um, how unwell they are, um, they can have trouble clearing their secretions. Um, and so my job is to help to clear those secretions um, where children might not be able to cough, like I said, because if they're on drugs that are making them sleepy or even unable to move. Um, so my job is to kind of come and help them cough um, to yeah. clear those secretions to more in a preventative measure mainly um, to prevent them from getting a chest infection. Um, but then yeah. also as a reactive measure as well, if children do have chest infections, then um, we can come and basically do lots of kind of special breathing techniques and manual techniques um, in order to help them move that phlegm. So, um, yeah, we see children on the ward, um, on the intensive care ward, um, yeah. we'll assess them. And then um also, as a result of kind of being in this environment um, and being very unwell, sometimes children can um, either have um, damage done to their brain um, during surgery or um, issues with their blood blood flow, which kind of stops blood flowing to the brain, or they can have um, too much blood flowing to the brain, which can cause um sometimes can cause damage to the brain and so um my job is to kind of assess to see if there has been any damage um and then often they get um discharged and so um I will then refer them to more of their local um community teams for ongoing physio input for any difficulties that they might have um or even just to encourage some children have spent such a long time in hospital um, mm. They haven't had the same opportunities as other children that um, have have been at home and haven't been unwell, um, and so they mm. haven't had the opportunity to develop strong muscles or to work on their sitting balance, and so they might be a little bit delayed in some of their development. And so mm. my job is, I guess, to kind of pick that up and mm. refer on, so that they can get some actual therapy input for that. And is this where growing hope comes in? I mean, I know that you're working in hospitals during the week, um, but you've also been part of the the growing hope team uh, in some capacity. And what does that look like in the community? What does growing hope physio sort of incorporate? Yeah, so um, it's much more of the um, hands-on fun part of physio, as it were. So um, an actual therapy session within you know an actual therapy session for physio um is basically a play a play session um oh lovely yeah i know (laughs) who wouldn't want to come um which is um the idea behind it is that as a as a physio we're trying to encourage or um work on things that are a little bit more difficult but in a in a play environment so that might Mm. be um 
And again, we always work around goals that um, either the child or the family have together. So that might be, for example, um, a child who um, isn't yet walking or a child that's not yet um, standing. Um, and so identify that goal with the family and that's what we work on. And um, from our assessment, so we'll first do an assessment and find out by looking at how the body moves, looking at the muscles, looking at the joints, find out which um, muscles might be a little bit weaker, which muscles might be tighter, um, and so can incorporate exercises in, into that play. So, for example, if a child, um, for example, is walking, working towards the goal of walking, you might find that actually their um, leg muscles might be a little bit weaker. And so we will um, might want to do lots of squats to help make their, like you would in the gym, um, yeah. their legs stronger. But instead of getting a child just to do squats, we might play a game where we're building towers, knocking them over, um, and they have to bend down, pick up the toys and put them back up on the table to build that tower. So they're essentially doing squats, but within, yeah. within play. Sounds like your job is very creative then and trying to you know get them to do the things that you need them to do but in a very fun and hidden way that they don't feel like they're doing exercise yeah definitely I mean that's that's the joy of it being able to be incredibly creative doesn't always work (laughs) um but I think that's what's amazing about it is sometimes just um I think in my sessions I I quite like to be led by the child and what they're enjoying Mm. um and so there's a lot of fast thinking involved of you know if they're playing with a certain toy okay how can we make this like you know how can we incorporate exercise into this how can we strengthen muscles or stretch muscles or um you know work on balance or those sorts of things um so yeah Yeah. it is incredibly creative and that's what I enjoy about it that's amazing and how does that work in with children with additional needs or who need that extra support um because you're I mean, those children are also seen uh, by the physiotherapist and by the occupational therapist and maybe the whole team. Um, Do you work quite closely with the the occupational therapist or with that team? Yeah, definitely. I think um, occupational therapy and physiotherapy, there's a lot of overlap. Um, and and it is hard sometimes to define the differences between the two. Um, I think um, physiotherapy, I, I would say, Um, is much more focused on muscles, joints, and how those affect how somebody might be able to function. Um, So say, for example, um, this is where I think goals are also really important. So um, a family will might have a goal of um or a child might have a goal of they want to be able to go to the toilet by themselves. Um, And so um, jointly with the occupational therapist, that might be a joint goal that we have in in therapy and so um my role within that would be to look at okay what is it that they need to be able to do to go to the toilet by themselves they need to be able to stand up and sit down from the toilet so they need the strength in their muscles um the occupational therapist might look more at um the um the action of that so what aids can there be in there to help somebody become independent Is it that actually they don't have um, independent balance to be able to stand and wipe themselves, that maybe Mm -hmm. they need a rail to be able to do that? Um, 
or is it more just the sequencing of that task that they need to practice so there's still um that occupational therapists would probably um work towards is the sequencing of that task and practicing that so there's lots of um you know collaborative working and working towards similar um goals and i think you know other places i've worked um they have had a bit of a split between occupational and physiotherapists in that occupational therapists in general would focus more on on the upper limb so more on fine motor yeah. skills and um and not and much more specialized in in that side of things whereas um sometimes physiotherapists might look more at um the lower limb so looking more at legs yeah. and um and the tasks and uh, involved yeah in the tasks involved in what yeah. might use that I mean that's a very um gross discrimination between and I think sometimes, sometimes it kind of helps helpful yeah. yeah no it really is but yeah and so I imagine that you're seeing a huge variety of of children and with different needs and you know as you mentioned having their own you know unique goals are there some things that you find are quite common or some goals that you have for a lot of the children that you see that you know you're doing similar things with them or that parents um can be working on um you know sort of at home yeah I think um I mean like I said at the very beginning physiotherapy is so varied um and so you know there it can be goals around um development development like we talked about before you know mm. crawling walking to even like you mentioned before kind of after an injury um post rehab so things like you know if someone's um broken a leg or had an in- a sports injury or yeah. somebody actually um has back pain or that sort of thing um so it's incredibly varied but um i guess like you know my specialism is much more geared towards the developmental side of things and i think um i guess lots and lots of goals are around walking um children yeah. that um are delayed in their development um might be slow to reach that goal of walking or children with underlying conditions might mean that um, they have tightness or um, their muscles struggle to kind of coordinate the task of walking um, and so yeah I would I'd definitely say that that's probably see that a lot yeah that's mm-hmm. and that's um, you know it's, a, it's an incredible goal to work, work towards because the satisfaction when you know, and yeah. um, children obtain that goal is amazing, and the independence that that can create as well, um, yeah, is amazing. And I think, um, yeah, I guess some of the strategies in terms of encouraging um, or working towards the goal of to be able to walk um, independently or walk by yourself, or you know, things that you need to be able to walk are are balance. Um, yeah. So lots of um, fun activities around balance, um, including things like um, the young children walking, um, holding onto hands, walking, pushing things on uneven surfaces. So indoors, outdoors, um, walking across sand, walking through water. Oh, wow. um, all of those different kind of environments really help to not only strengthen all the muscles that you need. Um, yeah for walking but also kind of help those muscles kind of switch on quickly um which yeah. will help save you 
you know if you're about to fall those muscles need to switch on quickly um so walking through sand is obviously it's very uneven your foot wobbles those muscles in your ankles are having to kind of adjust um to the different um terrain and they're having to kind of switch on quickly having to react um you're also getting feedback through the sand as well um you have lots of receptors in your ankles um in the ligaments and in the muscles which um tell your brain tell your yeah they tell your brain where your ankle is in space so without having to look at your ankle you know what it's doing and so those messages are kind of getting practice at working so those things are kind of good things to be to do um, and parents can do that I mean at home or in their daily activities that's something that the parents can really uh, take on board you know finding different environments or different textures to walk on um is that and is that something that you work with parents on like when you are in a therapy session I mean is that something that you do with them together yeah, so often um, in a therapy session, it might be based more in a therapy room. So there might be, you know, limited <laughs> arrays that we can use. But it's so it's often something that I will, you know, encourage parents to incorporate into, um, you know, when they're at the park, finding space sandy. And I think another one is also, um, you know, practicing walking with and without shoes as well. So even okay. you know, taking shoes off when you're outside. Um, because shoes offer a good amount of support around the ankles, which yeah. often you know, some children that are struggling um, and m- might lack the stability in their ankles, shoes are really good to help them to become independent. Yeah. Um, however, it's also really good to practice without that support so that their muscles are kind of getting the practice. And so, yeah, those sorts of things are really nice things to 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 do at home, to have time without your shoes on. Yeah. Um, and um indoors and outdoors um, and and even just different activities to do at home as well that are that are fun that um things like swimming is such a good activity for getting muscles stronger and working um, and it's also because you're surrounded by water there's that weightless feel and so often yeah. children really like practicing walking if it's shallow enough in a swimming pool because they they can and the water's the buoyancy supporting them um but it also gives all their joints and their muscles lots and lots of feedback as well um because of the water kind of compressing um the joints and things it it just yeah it, can it be might really be a bad. nice change up for parents backs when they've been yeah. and giving a lot of exactly and it's also something that doesn't you know it's not hopefully doesn't feel quite so burdensome for families as well you know a nice trip a nice trip I mean they're exhausting going to the swimming pool but (laughs) a a trip to the swimming pool is fun for the children it doesn't feel like you know traditional physio as it were or Mm. exercise or things like that but it's fun for the whole family to enjoy because everyone can get involved as well as opposed to it Certainly in the summertime, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, are heated nicely. Oh yes, and in heated pools. Yeah. <laughs> and this sounds like something that parents of, you know, I mean, even 
typically developing children, you know, and learning to walk, I, I feel that these would be really helpful sort of things for them to be trying and using, um, you know, in their ch- children learning to walk. Uh, do you do you find that this is more specific to children with additional needs or who need that extra support? Or is this something that you could also generalise to, you know, sort of mainstream or typically developing um, kiddies as well? Yeah, definitely. This is, you know, not exclusive to those that are, you know, a little bit um, slower with their development or Mm -hmm. have additional needs. Definitely not. Like these are, um, these are great ways to encourage any child um, to, to, um, yeah, switch on their muscles and to get walking and strengthen their muscles. All of these activities are really good for anybody. So if you had parents who were worried that maybe their children would need some physio or some extra support, what sort of things could parents look out for um, or that you would look out for um, that a a child might need additional support or might be a little bit slower in developing? um? Yeah, I think um, the main um, kind of factor would be your... um, kind of your normal um developmental milestones so um obviously when um when you've had a baby um there are normal milestones that i mean even your health visitor is looking at you know you know expect a child to roughly be smiling at 6 weeks um you know you'd expect them to start wanting to sit up by themselves by six months um obviously there's huge variation um within because every child is completely different um yeah I mean my daughter didn't start walking until 16 months and I'm you know I'm you know, I've <laughs> 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 been walking early but um yeah, she. I mean, part of that was her personality. Um, part of, part of it, I think, was her um, body composition. She's definitely, you know, quite flexible, and so um, just needed a little bit more kind of help. But that's not to say that she was out of those normal limits at all. So there is huge variation um, within that. Um, but I and I I think some of it as well is. Um, some children develop faster in certain areas compared to others. So some children um, yeah. really develop very quickly in their gross motor skills. So, you know, some children walk at nine months. Um, however, you often find that um, there might be something else that they might be a little bit slower at. I mean, I say slower, but more, you know, like I said, there's huge variation. But they might, um, yeah. you know, their language might be a little bit yeah, I often see that some of the kiddies that are a little bit later in developing speech are sometimes really good yeah. in their physical milestones. So I, I can see that the trade-off you might be seeing the other the other end yeah. of that <laughs> from the other perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's good to know that there is that variation and that if it's not, you know, the, the day after that milestone is passed, you know, that it might be written on the internet or somebody's told you that it, it is a huge yeah. concern but actually there's a lot of variation yeah, within exactly. that exactly I mean I actually um had some twins once that came to see me and one of the it, I think they were 17 months one twin was walking and the other one wasn't um and actually there wasn't anything you know underlying cause as to why the other twin wasn't working it walking it was literally just from more of a personality which I found really interesting um, that you know two children 
kind of twins grown up in the same environment, yet one was walking earlier than the other. Um, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> is there any other tips or things that you have for parents that is is a useful thing? Um, I know walking is, you know, every parent's biggest concern in that you know that's where their independence can come from mm-hmm. um but are there any other things that you find often parents struggle with or um that you work a lot with in the kiddies you see yeah I think um sometimes um I guess one concern that I've kind of seen a f- fair amount of is um children's foot position when they are walking and the position that yeah. they're walking in um and I think um children's feet can vary again as with everything (laughs) Um, foot position can vary and sometimes when children first walk um they're very unstable and so they like to find the most stable position yeah um, to walk in and sometimes that's with their feet turned out some children have one foot that turns in some children's you know are flat feet some children have um more of a um raised arch um, and again, I think um, it's there's so much variation, and um, often children um, that will normalise by the time they're kind of six years old. Um, and so, yeah, there can be a lot of concerns about it very early on, um, and it you know it might also impact their function. So some children can trip over a lot. Um, and it can seemingly be because of the position of their feet, if they're, you know, turning their feet inwards and things like that. And I think sometimes a concern can be towards, oh no, is my, you know, is my child going to need surgery for this? Um, and I think, yeah, it's just knowing that there are huge variations, and often um, there will children will, you know, adapt, and it it will kind of sort itself out. Um, and again, I think you know tips for kind of foot position and things like that are similar to walking in that um you know lots of time without shoes on um and especially for children with flat feet um there are kind of um exercises um that can help encourage those muscles in the um feet to kind of wake up a little bit and kind of get working and moving things like you know tiptoe walking um is actually really good um exercise to help encourage um kind of yeah those muscles in the feet um on the converse side there are children um that do tiptoe walk um and that can be a concern as well um because obviously if children are on their tiptoes for a long period of time their calf muscles can get tight um, and they can get to a point where actually they can't even put their heels on the ground anymore um, because they have been on their tiptoes so long and so that is something that a physio would assess as well tiptoe walking um sometimes it's you know from a um yeah there's lots of different reasons why children might tiptoe walk it's just finding the underlying cause for that um and trying to prevent secondary um yeah complications or tightness or things like that Are there any activities that are really great for children who might need a bit more stimulation or a bit more support or, you know, as you're saying, um, different experiences, less time 
uh, with shoes on or, or experiencing different uh, exercises and um... yeah definitely and um I mean this varies hugely um I guess in terms of you know putting two categories into it if children are more flexible activities that help to improve their muscle strength to give stability around their joints are really good anything that does that so um for younger children soft play i mean in general soft play is amazing for young children um but for those that are you know generally more flexible um soft play is great any sports that um kind of really strengthen work on strengthening around um the muscles and balance as well is really good so even like um you know kids yoga or kids pilates are really good kind of um uh activities um again swimming is incredible for strengthening um those joints yeah i would say kind of most sports <laughs> are great but yeah it's, it's hard to kind of say specific sports without knowing a specific yeah what what thing they might struggle with but i guess with um you know children that might be slightly tighter um, in their muscles um sports that are maybe slower and more gentle maybe more um kind of slow sports so um yeah things like um again like you know calm kids yoga type exercises where there's lots of stretching um even like you know ballet and um like you said you know that kind of involves stretching or gymnastics um just to kind of um yeah I guess kind of slow those muscles down where they might be tight a chance to to stretch um and heat as well heat's amazing so I mean this is more adults but um hot yoga is great (laughs) (laughs) stretching out muscles um yeah so exercising on a hot day for a child with tightness is is great or after a hot bath or those sorts of things are really good incredible um that is so helpful I feel really um encouraged and equipped to (laughs) to be working with kiddies who yeah who might need that extra support even in my therapy I think I don't often think about the physical aspect as as you would um so I feel quite encouraged thank you um Before we finish here, I want to hear from you. I know that therapy, it is a journey more than, you know, it's just writing a prescription or, you know, handing out a little cure. Um, And it it really is this journey, and that can sometimes be quite a long journey. How do you, as a therapist, um, sort of keep hope or, uh, you know, navigate that journey where there might be ups and downs, where it might not always be, um, uh, you know, Lot seeing the progress and seeing lots of rewards necessarily and certainly immediately how do you manage that I I feel like I harp on about these the whole time but I feel like goals are amazing (laughs) for that um especially when progress can be slow um, and when you have to count those small wins um I feel like setting Mm. really effective goals that um are attainable for children is great motivation mm. um and also i think mm. um recording those goals in whatever way that is um so that you can mm. look back and see how far your child has come or the ch- even the you know the child can look back and see how far they've come and i think um 
documenting those is a great way to do that whether that's through videos whether it's through like mm. pictures um you know like a um photo album or um yeah whatever kind of creative ways there are to document how far mm. you've come and and um you know I've had a patient last week actually that um you know she took a picture of so we wrote her goals down and she took a picture doing um the goal that she had reached because she was so proud of herself and I think you know it's it's documenting those moments and celebrating those wins mm. um I think is really mm. key um especially when it you know can yeah. be slow I think um it, in terms mm. of parents I think it's so important for them to find a support net and support network with friends family mm-hmm. um whether it's helpful finding people that mm. are going through similar or on a similar journey mm. um just to provide support mm. during that time I think is really important um to be able to it's amazing thinking of you know for for us and for the parents in working with with kiddies to reach these goals we need the encouragement but the yeah. kids also really benefit from tracking their own progress and reaching their own goals is such an important thing for them to be a part of yeah, as well definitely. Definitely, which I think, you know, especially for older kids, it's great for them to take um, to take onus over that and take the initiative of, you know, it being their journal or mm. their, you know, photo album where they get to document that I did this or even, you know, whether it's um, celebrating it if the goal was to be able to walk outside by themselves, celebrate it by going, you know, walking outside and mm. go for a nice meal or something. Mm. Or, you know, an ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, something like that. And I think them, you know, it's really nice for obviously appropriate age, but for children to to kind of take ownership over that, I think is really, yeah. is really good. That is so important. Well, amazing. I'm feeling really encouraged by that. Thank you. Um, Lastly, I want to know what you did during lockdown to keep sane. <laughs> well, I feel like this is incredibly cliche, but um, we got into PE with Joe as a physio. Really? <laughs> oh, good. As an example, but we we really got into PE with Joe, and um, I mean, I my kids are quite young, and so they were really into it on the. Um, I think it was Fancy Dress Friday. They loved oh, it. Oh, I love that. The rest of the week, not not so much, but me and my husband loved it. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad to hear that, but... that as a physio, you're a strong advocate for Joe Wicks. That's yeah, exactly. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you definitely brought a lot of joy into yeah. lots of people's homes during lockdown. I'm so grateful yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good, good reason to get up in the morning and... Uh, feel good about your day (laughs) yeah for sure well I have really loved talking to you Lizzie thank you so much for joining us this has been incredibly helpful and I'm sure uh, the parents and and everybody listening um, have gotten some really useful insight into physiotherapy and to what you do and what happens at Growing Hope um, and hopefully have some tips to take away from this so thank you you're welcome thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Growing Hope podcast. To find out more about Growing Hope or to sign up to our monthly newsletter, go to our website, growinghope.org.uk.